Unchained first podcast of the season. Uh, today's podcast proudly sponsored by Top Banana. Top Banana, where the fruit is appealing. Uh, welcome to the new season. A couple of housekeeping things before we get started. We've uh, in the off season, the dingo has relocated. We have a new den over in the Pacific Northwest. But the good news is we still keep our East Coast, West Coast balance. We've got our regular guest uh, calling in from New York, the fantasy football powerhouse. He dropped one short of a triple crown last year. He's currently holding two fantasy football championship belts and a second place. Welcome, Adam Risman. It's good to be here. Did you move to Seattle because you're championship chasing? <laughs> it's, uh, no, no. I uh, It was personal reasons, but um, just happened to coincide with a with a big uh, a Super Bowl win last year. We'll see if they can do it again. Now, Adam, what have you been getting up to this off-season, this summertime? Anything anything special? Uh, anything notable? What, how have you been keeping yourself busy this summer? You know, um, I've, uh, I've tried to... I've been partying for about six months, celebrating cool. my championship. Uh, but now I'm trying to get into season shape start my, my own training camp. I sauteed some vegetables the other day. Wow. I also went on a international research mission to start building a fantasy soccer platform that I plan to sell to Yahoo for a seven-figure sum. Wow. Okay, well, don't give, don't give us too many details. Don't blow, don't blow the story too soon. But uh, it's been a big off-season. You've been celebrating popping bottles in the club, I presume. Um there been there's been a lot going on off the field for uh, for football. Thought we could start off today talking about some of the big off season hot topics, the hot takes that have been going on around the league. I've got a couple here. What? Why don't you start us off? What do you think's been the big one of the big storylines going on this off season? You know, I, there's three storylines in regards to fantasy performance in 2014 that really catch my eye. Uh, the first of which I think might might be on your list too. We were talking about how great it is to pop bottles in celebration. And our good friend Johnny Football has been popping a lot of bottles. Sure is. He got to Cleveland. Um, will he get that starting job? Yeah. I mean, that's, that to me is an intriguing off-season story. He's got more potential with his legs than uh, the incumbent starting quarterback does, Mr. Hoyer. But um, he takes more chances, takes more risks on and off field. And, uh, the incumbent is a local guy. Be interesting to see what happens there. Look, what what I've been bothered by is there's been a lot of talk about Johnny not focusing. Who cares? Who cares about this guy? What he's doing off the field? It's what he's going to do on it in terms of stats. I just worry about him as a as I like. I can see someone taking a flyer on him in almost. I can see him being owned by ninety five percent of owners coming into the first week. I think a lot of people are going to take a flyer on him in the twelfth or thirteenth round. But it's who he's got to throw to. Who's he got there in the the wide receiver depth chart at uh, at Cleveland now with with Josh Gordon completely fucking useless? Uh, who's he got? Who's he got as a target? A potential target. The headliner is Miles Austin, who we have not been able to confirm whether or not he has hamstring. No longer. Have you heard anything about that? I haven't heard anything, but I I certainly wouldn't be picking him up. I imagine it. No, they we now. Before you relocated, uh, speaking of off-season plans, we did actually attend the NFL draft. That's how deep our research goes around here. We did. And we're continuously shocked when Cleveland in rounds two, three, four did not take a wide receiver at any point. What are your thoughts about a a Johnny Football-Jordan Cameron matchup, though? That could be something which, you know, a little, uh, little outlet for him, a nice tall receiver in the end zone. Maybe that's a combination. I don't know how much Jordan Cameron likes to party. I haven't heard anything about I, that. I could see Jordan Cameron creeping into that top echelon of tight end permanently this year. Young quarterback, love 
the check down. They love that safety net. Um, he may, you saw at the end of the year last year, defense started picking Jimmy Graham out of games, mm. He's the top of the line there. It may be fairly easy for offenses to concentrate on Cameron when there's no receivers at Vintay Tartar <laughs> their backfield. I'll be I'll be interested to see where Tay Tartar falls in the draft. I've got him. I I mean he's on my don't draft list, but I would think he would be going no higher than the seventh or seventh or eighth round. You know I think there's going to be a lot of Johnny uh, Johnny stashing, just like I'm sure Johnny has multiple stashes of his own different <laughs> different things. And um, I, I've I've been fairly open to my draft strategy. I all listeners, if he's available in round fifteen or sixteen, and you. Do not have a second quarterback on your roster. Absolutely take him. Okay. No risk there. I like that. I like that. I had Cleveland as one of my big off-season hot topics as well. I was wondering what they're going to do this year. Uh, another one here I had was uh, just a curiosity recently. Where does Andre Johnson land? Does he stay in the Texans? If he stays in the Texans, is he useful at all as a wide receiver? If so, what sort of rating do you have on him this year? Or where else would you like to see him end up? I think, as of now, Andre stays. He, Houston's his only NFL home. They have a whole mess at quarterback. I think uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is supposed to be the opening day starter. But to me, I think that uh, he's going to have something that he has not had his entire career in Houston this year, and that's a complimentary wide receiver, too. I like the potential for DeAndre Hopkins this year, second-year man out of Clemson. Oh, wow. They keep putting out big speedsters, and if he can become this year's Alshon Jeffrey, it's going to free up Andre Johnson in a way that he hasn't uh, coverages, lean coverages he hasn't seen in this college in Miami. That is a, college that's Miami. a huge call this year's Alshon Jeffrey. And, you know, the guy throwing in the ball, Ryan Fitzpatrick, our, our friend, the U Bengals, who I think we'll try and get on the phone a little bit later on today, see how he's doing. Uh, he has a very high rating on Ryan Fitzpatrick. He even spoke to me the other day about Ryan Fitzpatrick possibly being a QB2 that you could rely on. I I don't know that I rate, rate him that highly, but I didn't mind him when he was where's, in Buffalo. Where's, uh, where's Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard stand right now? Is that still – did he shave that when he left Buffalo? Last I saw, he still had it. But he, you'd think down in that heat of Texas – Down in the heat of oh. Texas, he would get rid of that beard. I, I will say this: I have no uh, no sources to confirm or deny these rumors, but I have heard grumbling from just random people on message board to have no valid place in the world. Andre Johnson to Cleveland would never happen, but sure would be interesting. That would be great. I would love to see an Andre Johnson Johnny football pairing, and I de- I don't want to say that he's the kind of veteran head that needs to lead Johnny because I don't think Johnny needs a veteran head I think he's got his head on his shoulders I think he's fine but I do think it could be a dynamic matchup um he does love his tall receivers Johnny he does he does what, what else have you got as one of your big offseason hot topics I um uh, I'm gonna take this down to the uh the east coast to the nation's capital wow Jake Rudin mm. former offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bungles <laughs> now head coach in Washington, he's got a chance to to be able to unleash RG3 a year away from that knee surgery and has Deshaun Jackson in the fold to be the speedster to compliment Pierre Garcon. Uh, he, made, um, he made that red-headed guy in Cincinnati look like a good quarterback. He sure did. <laughs> he's going to make – he has a chance to make RG3 – Look like a very strong QB again. Could be a top top pick QB this year if uh, if he can rework his pocket presence and get that confidence back in the knee. Uh, also, I don't know if you watched Hard Knocks last year, but Jay Gruden is oozing swag. He is a swag. He's a swaglicious guy. I love the Grudens, both of them. Now you don't. You're not worried about. I'm I'm concerned about RG3's knee. I don't know. I think he could be a good cheap pickup, but. I would you would worry about him, wouldn't you, going in with him as your as your number one QB for the season? You would, and this is the only circumstance where I would advise that you handcuff quarterbacks. Oh wow! Former Michigan State grade, your opponents. Yeah, I mean, not a bad option if you uh, study. He, he is built and functions very similar to Andy Dalton, who Jay Gruden was able to turn into a successful quarterback. I 
I like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback handcuff, a rare, rare draft occurrence. Don't see it much. He saw it a little bit last year towards the middle of the season with the Michael Vick, Nick Foles situation. Uh, but um, but certainly that would be interesting. How do you what do you, where, what's your take on Andy this year? I'm I'm low on Andy. I know a lot of people took a flyer on him last year, didn't really perform. Are you back I, on the Dalton train? I was one of those people. Uh, you I were. That's why I ask you. I think uh, you know without I think without Jay Gruden, he's going to slide downhill. We'll get to um, we'll get to the Bengals more later. Mm. But uh, their the replacement at offensive coordinator who is in my notes for later in this, this show, I have to tell you I'm not a fan. Okay, well, we'll hold off on that. But uh, I've got one more topic here, which it was my third uh, big off-season hot topic that I wanted to get your take on. It's actually very recent breaking news and doesn't have an impact for this year's fantasy season, but it might have a huge impact for next year's. And as you know, on the dingo, we're always looking ahead, always looking to the future, always looking to the studs of tomorrow. But I don't know if you saw this breaking news uh, today. Tim Tebow has been mentoring Brett Hundley in the field. Uh, no, this is, is this breaking live on the podcast. This is breaking. This is this is being confirmed by a couple of my sources and by Brett himself on Twitter that Tim has been mentoring him in the field of leadership about how to lead team meetings. What does this well, do I, for Brett Hundley's? NFL draft stock next year. Uh, hi, well, this is nothing but good news. First of all, Tim Tebow, board leader. I I know I said to pick up Johnny in round 15 if he's still there. If he's not, take a flyer on Tebow for round 16. You never know what could happen. Maybe you never know. In training camp, worst case, you cut him and add a kicker. Well, uh, what was his, what, who was it, who ended up as the quarterback for the Packers last year? It was... Uh, someone who was, wasn't even on a team at the beginning of the year. Oh, oh, it's the uh, the Washington State guy, I believe. That yeah, wasn't even drafted. Yeah, um, I think that's great news for Brett Hundley. Uh, you know, in in Bingo editorial production meetings over the past week, we've been talking a lot about the death of the Pac-12 mm. because two people in college football very deep, and there has been a raging debate in the uh, the Dingo Den about whether Mariota or Hundley is the top uh, Pac-12 quarterback coming in the draft next year, and I think this gives Hundley the edge. Yeah, well, this I, I had I had Mariota on, on top, but when this news broke today, uh, and when I verified when I verified it with my sources, what an amazing person to have in your corner, and uh, and I, I think I think I know it's not an NFL topic yet, but I'm curious about how this unfolds. I'm also curious about how Tim unfolds over the season. Does he make that step into commentary that we're all kind of hoping he does to, to really cement himself in our lives for the next 50 or 70 years? Does he try to make it back to the big league one more time? I can't see if Ryan Fitzpatrick starting in Houston. I cannot see why Tim Tebow can't have at least a, a quarterback two position at a team by the end of this year. I, uh, I could name right now. Minnesota, yeah. Houston, Jacksonville, Buffalo, the list goes on, and Arizona, all great homes. All great homes with Tim, and he'd, he'd have a positive impact at any of those Or places. Brett Hundley next year. Or Brett next year. Little Tim. I, I have one one more thing that caught my eye. Go on. So, fairly recent news, uh, as of Wednesday, actually, mm. um, and I'm curious to see how you think this will affect the players' potential on the field, I think highly. Um, now, as you know, NFL players, they hold out all the time. They get millions of dollars. They're highly, highly paid, always wanting more and more and more. Um, it always catches my eye when a player goes goes off the, uh, off the path a little bit, opts for a little bit less. Mm. Have you seen the dad van Jay Cutler drove to training camp? I have, I have not. I it is a – it's not a minivan. He calls it a conversion van. It is a long, low-riding, all-white stretch van to take all your kids to soccer games. It's great. Um, it's been getting a lot of attention from his teammates. They seem to be rallying behind it. In fact, after practice on Wednesday, Matt Forte, who drove a white Bentley to uh, camp, he said in regards to Colors Van, I just hope I can play some video games in it after practice. There's going to be team bonding in the van. 
Uh, wow. You know, it's gonna, Brandon Marshall's going to get in there. Alshon Jeffrey's going to get in there. Who who knows who else? Um, Is he? I like the swag that Jay Cutler's bringing to camp this year. It's going to be big. I, uh, I've just brought it up here in front of me in the bingo den. I love the look of this van. He can fit at least half the team in the back of that thing. It is big. It's a uh, an explorer. It's not a not a Ford Explorer, but a something. I don't know what but brand it is. Still a gentleman's explorer. I I, I custom made. I I think look, Chicago is a working man city. It is very blue collar. This is embodies the people. It's going to be rockets and soldier beard this year. I I have actually raised my draft grade on Jay Cutler. I'd move about two rounds. Wow. Just because of the van. Two rounds higher. Just because of the van. Because he's keeping it real. That's great. I mean, I a lot of people are talking high on Jay. It was hard to tell Jay. He got a bit banged up towards the end of last year, just when he was starting to look good. And then McCowan came in and complicated everything. How do you feel about Josh McCowan down in Tampa Bay? Uh, he's got he's got twin towers to work with. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to be very, uh, very similar to what he dealt with in Chicago. Um, Obviously, Mike Evans, he's a rookie. Um, Mike Evans is he was a little he was a little hit or miss in college. He had over 200 yards receiving against Alabama, uh, the best team in the nation, and then uh, had two catches for eight yards in a crucial late season game against Missouri with uh, EJ Gaines guarding him. Now in the, the St. Louis Rams, well, looking for a starting secondary spot there. Yeah. So, um, I, I like the receivers. I wonder if the running game is going to give him the support that he got in Chicago. Well, so Doug, open up those one-on-one matchups down the field. And the the new coach down there has talked about Doug Martin getting limited reps, uh, so or le- at least less reps than he had under uh, Schiavone. So, uh, yeah, I agree. It's going to be a work in progress, but interesting to see where it all where it all pans out. Now, uh, we were talking about Brett. We were talking about a couple of other. Studs of tomorrow. As you mentioned earlier, you and I visited the NFL draft uh, back in, what was it, late May? It was late this year. It was late this year. It was in May, specifically in uh, in April. Radio City Music Hall. Beautiful Uh, venue. We we, we took it all in. Uh, VIP access, lower floor, thanks to uh, Tingo Press Creds. Tingo Press Creds got us through all the way to the front of the, the pack. Uh, but we, we got to see some of these guys up close, and we got to then process the draft in our minds for, for the fantasy benefits and some stu- hashtag studs of tomorrow. Now, who are you seeing? I've got, I've got a few guys on my list here. I'm curious about who you see as well as being not necessarily the top picks in the draft, not necessarily your, uh, your Teddy Bridgewaters, uh, not necessarily your Johnny Footballs, who do you see landing as who can be a real fantasy producer from the get-go with the rookies? Uh, I've got one I'm going to start you off with in terms of a name, and I think it's someone you like as well. His name's Brandon Cooks. I I love Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is going to be a um, great replacement for the, the guys down in New Orleans. It's basically a rotating door down there. But uh, as long as Drew Brees isn't walking through it, it really doesn't matter catching those passes. <laughs> Um, Cooks does a lot of things. He's out of Oregon State. Uh, he's a real shifty, quick guy. He's going to stretch the field there, but he can also um, he can also take the ball out of the backfield and uh, maybe serve as a, a Darren Sproles type guy too. Yeah, he's uh, he's real flexible, and um, as long as he doesn't succumb to the party in New Orleans, I, I think he's in great shape this year. I think that is a uh, you can't go wrong with any Saints receivers, and this guy's going to be getting reps from day one. Yeah, I mean, I, you said the word there, flexible. I think he'd be a great flex play. Uh, I also, I just worry a little bit about it being too crowded down there. Uh, Marquez Colston will obviously get his touchdowns. Jimmy Graham will get his touchdowns. But Drew Brees is just going to pass and pass and pass. And so I, I think you're right. I think he could be a very, very handy wide receiver three. Um, Lance Moore is out, right? I believe he's taking the Lance Moore spot. Yes, I think he's taking Lance Moore. So I think he's he's second or third on that death chart there. So I think he's going to... They use a lot of guys. It's, it's, it's feast or famine. Um, I mean, there was a whole arbitration deal with, with Jimmy Graham. He's basically a wide receiver there. He passed out of some cash money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that he is definitely one of the safest of the 
of the studs of tomorrow that are entering the league this year. It's a good crop. Yeah, it is a solid, especially a good wide receiver crop. Who have you got as one of your studs of tomorrow for next year? Um, so I have a batch of guys, none of which went in the first round, mm-hmm. that I think are all going to be meaningful producers this year. Um, they should all get drafted if they don't drop drop him that you picked up the 16th round and pick one of these guys up they somehow slip through the cracks. Um, and I'm going to start with the wide receiver, too. Uh, down in Philadelphia, Jordan Matthews. Yeah. Slips to the second round to Philly. Uh, Deshaun Jackson um, and his gang affiliations, allegedly, are now down in Washington with uh, J-Swag. J mm-hmm. And uh, we've got Jordan Matthews coming in. There's going to be a lot of competition for that two spot. I know Racist Riley, um, the reformed Christian, is in that slot right now. I don't trust him to remain there. And Jordan Matthews had over 200 catches in his last two years of his college career at Vanderbilt. This is a school not known for success, playing the best conference in college football. Over that time, he had exactly 2,800 yards, 50 touchdowns, incredible numbers. Um, going to be a great possession guy. He's got good size. He's not the fastest guy in the field, but his routes are very, very crisp. Um, going to complement Macklin's speed really well, assuming that knee injury recovers. And uh, we know that, that Bulls can, can sling the pigskin. Now, are you worried at all about about the influence of racist Riley on Jordan? It just, you know, it's a young kid coming in. Riley, of course, we've all, we've all seen the video. We've all seen that hair. Are you worried about a negative influence coming out of out of Philadelphia, or has Chip Kelly got his house in order? Now, this is um, an interesting topic. There's another rookie in Philadelphia that I like by the name of Josh Huff, who was coached mm. by Chip Kelly in college. Or, Love Josh Huff. Um, I'm giving Jordan the edge both on skill and also ability to deal with the locker room with Racist Riley. Jordan Matthews went to college in Nashville, played in the South, uh, you were at Talladega recently. You know what goes on down there. I'm familiar. So uh, I think that uh, I think that he is going to be more prepared for Riley confrontations than Josh Huff will be. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. The the uh, second studs of tomorrow that I had on my list is a uh, a tight end, Jason Morrow, out of uh, Texas Tech. Oh, <laughs> wow. He, I mean, I was looking. What did you like about Jay? I was looking at him today. I was looking at some footage, some highlight footage of him, both from the combine and then also from his time uh, at Texas Tech. He reminds me of a baby Gronk. It's a little bit in the way in the way he runs, but he's got these sort of long, kind of loping strides. Um, he always looks like he's a little bit uncomfortable running, but he gets past his guys and he can just sort of like slip his way up a seam route, and suddenly he's open. And he's got a great pair of hands. He's a nice big target. And the other thing is he's, he's coming into a, a Jets uh, offensive setup there, which I know they've put Eric Decker in, in as, a, uh, as a wide receiver one target. But they are, they are sadly lacking in, uh, in good targets. In and, offensive skill altogether. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, they've added Chris Johnson. They've added Eric Decker. They're, they're both solid pieces but what you felt Gino was really missing last year was that was that little release valve, that little uh, that little pass, that little dink and dunk that could get get you sort of 10, 15 yards over the top to your tight end, and that's one to one and a half fantasy points right there. And so I feel Jason Morrow, even maybe more than Ebron, because Ebron is coming into that that hugely crowded uh, receiver core there in Detroit. I think Jason Morrow, if you're looking for if you're looking to put a rook onto your your uh, your team, and and I would really stress not putting too many rookies on that team, but if you're looking for one that you think can get a solid seven, eight, maybe nine points, maybe even a touchdown each week, Jason Mara would be the guy I'd be looking at. Uh, you you mentioned one of the big advantages there, um, guys that we've looked at previously, like Zach Ertz, uh, Kyle Rudolph. Um, all these tight ends coming out of Stanford and Notre Dame recently that have, that have all supposed to be great. Um, they've been gone to places where there's already an established tight end. They're trying to work in a two tight end system. Uh, the Jets don't have that. They have nothing. This is their guy from day one. Um, Jace comes from a system at Texas Tech where uh, they, they tell their players not to think much. 
don't think at all, actually. Don't think at all? No it's, thinking. It's Kick Ferry's slogan. Yep. And they they spread the ball around a lot, similar to what the New Orleans Saints do. And despite all that, he had 106 catches last year, which is phenomenal. A lot. Uh, averaged 13.2 per catch during the course of his career there as a tight end. I think at the end of the year, you could look down and see that this guy has picked up the most first downs in his entire division uh, of the AFC. I, I think we're going to get big things from tomorrow because there's there's no one else. And Eric Decker is just spending his time in New York modeling. Yeah. Uh, I think that he is the bust of the year. I think Geno Smith, um, I don't know if he will be starting at the end of the year. I don't know if he'll be uh, starting at the beginning but, of the year. Uh, Mike Vick is there. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is outside of the defense, which is, is great, Disaster uh, waiting waiting to happen, but I think the Jays is due for a big year. Um, huge second round pickup for the Jets. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we're going to see some good things out of him. Who have you got as one of your other uh, studs of tomorrow? So this is a um, this is a third round pick from the University of Auburn uh, or Auburn University, whatever it is technically. It's Trey Mason. He is a running back for the Rams, picked up the third round. Now, Trey didn't really break out until last year. He um, finished second in the Heisman voting, I believe, 1,800 yards rushing, 23 touchdowns. Auburn had an amazing offensive line. Um, but the, the guy leading all those blocks, left tackle Greg Robinson, is in St. Louis. He was their first-round pick. Yep. He'll be behind the same guy. I know that Fat Zach safety is there. But so you have, you have no trust in Fat Zach, obviously. Well, I, I, my comparison point here is a fellow named Giovanni Bernard, mm. who you might be familiar with, I am. 2013 season. The third down back, the guy that has the speed, can catch the passes, and as the bruiser wears down over the course of the year, becomes a solid flex guy for you um, back into the season. I like 300 that. yards rushing in the SEC championship game. Yeah, I love Trey Mason. I think he's a, he's a really solid uh, a solid rusher. I like his size. I like his build. Um, Could contribute in the kick return game too. Absolutely. the The guy I've I got the guy I've got as as a stud of tomorrow is a, is a pretty similar build and also a running back. Uh, you won't be surprised to hear that, but it is. But it's it's Bishop Sankey and uh, doing that Sankey leg. 4,000 rushing yards over the last three years at Washington, 38 touchdowns. And coming into a Tennessee Titans backfield that only has Sean Green uh, as the as the incumbent, they I think they've obviously drafted him to start, and I think they're going to be run heavy this year. He offers them something that Chris Johnson never offered them, which was is a little bit of versatility. He can catch. He's not trying to run through everyone. He's got great footwork, very nimble. Uh, and he's also big enough to to give them giving the ball at the uh, at the four yard line, and he can plow it in. So I don't know if you've got any any thoughts on Bishop, but I think he could he could be a really good sneaky running back three, perhaps with after four or five weeks could move up to a running back two spot. I think that we we a lot of people were shocked, not us, uh, when we were attending the NFL draft that he was the first running back off the board. Mm. And I don't think that was a mistake. There's a glaring need in Tennessee. Sean Green hasn't been relevant since before you played fantasy football, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> it's been a while. He certainly hasn't uh, been around in my time. Uh, he's, got, he's still got that jet stench on him, even though he's been out of there for a year and a half now. Go whisper Al pal this year. Speaking of jets. Let's Still there. Wow. He's got it. Is he, is he the starter on the death chart? He, uh, no, Chris Johnson will be starting there. But, um, right. yeah. Anyway, no, but... One, uh, one touchdown last year for the Law Palace. He got one. Yeah, well, he was on, uh, he was on the, the football, the team of a couple of, of, uh, of idiots we know. But, uh, but Bishop should be good. His height worries me a little bit, but I think he, uh, I think he'll be a solid producer there. And may slip a little bit in your drafts, and you might be able to pick him up from a couple of unsuspecting idiots who are in front of it, you who have no idea who he is. 
you know, there's a lot of room for these studs tomorrow to rise up this year. Yeah. I think there's a few people we see taking a couple steps back. Um, we've been doing a lot of mock drafts. You are, have you hit 30 yet? I'm, I've blown well past 30. I'm up, getting close to 45. Is this, this is why this is your, your fancy football swami, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he knows where every player is going. We are going to talk now about guys that are, we're seeing go in the first two rounds. 12-team leagues, none of that 10-team crap, 12, 12-team leagues, so roughly top 24 guys, probably have about 32 guys vying for those 24 spots, give or take, wherever the, the league is, and if people know what they're doing, uh, we see going there, and it's just not working out. Yeah, I mean, these are, these are your classic hashtag duds of today. Uh, if you've got your studs of tomorrow, these are the duds of, of your draft, and and it's that guy who you draft, and then everyone says to you straight away, "Ah, oh, you, you're a fucking idiot." Just to give an example, uh, two years ago, my first draft, I was in uh, at uh, at deep at the uh, I think we were drafting the Speakeasy Bourgeois that year, and uh, and I was uh, in the first round, uh, picked up Gronk. That was a stretch. That was definitely a reach. Uh, gets to the second round, I had about the number 16 or 17 pick, I believe, uh, grabbed Ryan Matthews. That's your classic duds of today. Uh, he had a, an awful year, as he always does. But uh, this is, Last year, this is, this is it's not injury-related. It's guys like Maurice Jones threw last year. Yep. Or, um, you know, Doug Martin did finish the season hurt, but wasn't doing anything at the top half of the year either. Darren McFadden. You know, guys like that exactly. who are, yeah, yeah. Oh, basically, Raiders running backs, that style, or Jags running backs, that style of guys. So, you guaranteed top-ranking duds. Uh, I've got three guys here on my list, Adam, but I'd be curious to see who, who you've got. I've got, um, well, I've got three running backs on this list. Wow. All from the same position. Now, I preach... I preach value in running backs. I think uh, we all know that it's it's the most important position um, because it just gets too so crowded at wide receiver, and um, they pick up touchdowns at a higher rate than, than wide receivers typically do outside of your, your top four or five guys. Um, two of them, I'm going to launch one of them and talk about them simultaneously, have actually are contention in this podcast, I think are tied together in interesting ways. Um, it's bad Zach Stacy and Giovanni Bernard. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're out on Zach. I, I understand that, but Gio as well. He had a pretty good season last year. Could, I, thought could I owned be, him in all of my leagues last year. I thought he could uh, be destined for even greater things this year, but he, he certainly hasn't jumped up the, the rankings at all. Well, here's, here's why. I mentioned earlier the fact that Jay Gruden was leaving to go to Washington, and in turn, someone would have to, uh, to rise up to take the place of Jay as the office coordinator in Cincinnati. The guy named Hugh Jackson. Are you familiar with Hugh's work? I, I am not. Please, please let me know. He is uh, one of the many failed, ethically failed, bad, bad head coaches of the Oakland Raiders. Oh, wow. Who loves to ground and pound. Loves between the tackles running. And that's not what Gio's cut out to do. He's your shiftier, he's your quicker guy. Like to get outside, like to catch passes. Um, the offense is built more for that bigger running back. They don't have that. Uh, they did draft Carlos Hyde, I believe, but um, and maybe he steps up there. But if he's not ready, then you're going to have to use Geo for that role, and I could see him breaking down very quickly. Yeah, Carlos Hyde actually went to the 49ers. He could be backing up Frank Gore. But uh, yeah, no, the uh, somebody. Geo is a Geo is a tough one, um, and uh, and it's it's hard to see him having a. It's hard to Jeremy see him. Hill. Jeremy, oh, Jeremy Hill. Hill. He's a downhill runner. Yeah, so he might be able to, to pull that boy, but that's what you like, and that's not what uh, our boy Geo is, is going to deliver. So he's either going to go down and carry that deal, or he's going to get banged up. Well, it's funny you mentioned Geo and Zach because they're both going on in the Yahoo drafts right now. Their average draft position for Geo is 23, for Zach is 23.1. So they're both falling the very end of the of the second round. Uh, who's your third running back you've got there? Uh, the third running back that I have, 
and I'm really interested to get your take on this guy. I know you overvalued him last year. I'm wondering if uh, if you're properly valuing him this year or overvaluing him again or perhaps undervaluing him. Who knows? Um, former college favorite was Monte Ball. Oh wow, I did overvalue him last year. I didn't see the I didn't see the powerhouse of No Sean Moreno coming last year. Monte is actually on my list as well. He's he's one of the guys that I've got as a as a guaranteed top ranking dud. And here's why: he's currently falling uh, in the in the Yahoo drafts around ten point five. That's the average pick for Monte Ball. If you could, that's, a, that's a solidified first round guy. Yeah, so he's like he's well in that first round. That's too high for someone that unproven for me. Now, if you're the kind of person that likes to go out there and like and have a flyer, have fun, maybe throw some money on it, maybe you know get your dick out and wave it around, blow five hundred bucks on a stripper, pop some bottles worth two thousand dollars. If you're Johnny Football, maybe you do take a, a a bit of a punt on Monte Ball. But I'm not that kind of guy. I think he's going too high. I think he could have a productive That's- year in Denver. But he's You're not stuck. a lock. First round is your your first round has to be an absolute stud lock. It has to be. You can't take changes in the first round. If you get if you get a LaShawn McCoy, you get a Matt Forte, you get an Adrian Peterson, uh, you get a Jamal Charles in the first round. Maybe you go a little risky round two with someone with some upside. Sure. Round one's not the time to do that. Also, no Sean, a lot of his success, that was a crowded backfield last year. You did have three guys from carries. A lot of his success came from catching the football. Yeah. Um, Monte only had 20 receptions last year. And some drops. Uh, for seven yards, uh, a catch, many drops. Uh, he fumbled not only running the ball, but he also fumbled receiving the ball. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how he's getting hit. He's not holding on. Uh, you cannot spend a first-round pick. Well, let me let me tell you some guys who are coming later in his in the after him in terms of average draft picks. Who And let me just tell, tell me what you think of these names. Peyton Manning. Demarius Thomas, A.J. Green, Dez Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, Drew Brees, Arian Foster, Julio Jones, Julio Jones. So they they are all people who are proven performers who you know you can rely on for at least 15 points per week. Monte, you, do, you don't know what you're getting. So if he comes to the end of the first round and you're out of those guys, I know you mentioned those guys, Matt Forte uh, and, and uh, Peterson and Lacey and, and McCoy – those guys who are guaranteed studs, well, they're gone. You're picking at the end of the first round, and you've got your option between Monte and a wide receiver who you know is going to perform for you, who could be a top five, what almost guaranteed to be a top three or four wide receiver. You go the wide receiver every time. And then those are guys, too. Those are young guys on that list. Demarius Thomas, uh, Julio Jones coming off injury, even Le'Veon Bell, who are expected to get better yeah. still. Yeah, they've already set a certain bar of success. Well, Bell even, yeah, that's the difference, I think, between Bell and Ball. Funny, they've got uh, similar names, but the the Bell is someone who really performed at the end of last year and, and showed how he could fit into that offense. Ball, we just don't know how he's going to fit into the Broncos. And after the Broncos getting blown out in that Super Bowl, we don't know how they're going to perform this year. So uh, Peyton's a year older. I just don't trust the Denver offense in the same way that I was so excited about it last year that I drafted one of my fantasy teams just to be an entire replica replica of the Denver Broncos. And, and how, for our uninformed listeners, how did that work out for you? I uh, got into the final, but they had a bad week in the final, so I went down, came second. But before that, I was leaving the league by by miles. It's a good move. I mean, if you're looking at a team to do it with this year, you could pick someone maybe like the Philadelphia Eagles. But even then... You you probably don't know how much uh, how much they're going to get out of their tight ends. There, there there's always some some ups and downs to it, but uh, but I, I don't see the Broncos having as prolific as an off- offensive season as they did last year. So that's so who else do you have on your list? Yeah, I've got two other guys, uh, and and this could be controversial. I'm super interested to hear what you think, but uh, I've got a running back and a quarterback um, who I our first non running back. Yes, so you've got, and I can guarantee that this guy's going to go go high. I've already talked about him a little bit. It's Patey Pie, Peyton Manning. You know, it's, it, it comes down to where you stand on the debate of quarterbacks. Some people feel like you got to take one early because there's only a few stud-label quarterbacks. But to me, 
the difference between quarterback and tight end, where they're where they're both equally thin at the top, is that a tight end there is a massive drop off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Like your a New Zealander back gets some sheep off, and then they have whoa. <laughs> See, I love Romo this year. Even though he's coming off that back surgery, I, I think he's going to have a huge year. I, I think he's got tons of potential. I think that Kaepernick could bounce back from last year. I think, uh, I think so Big Ben. Wilson, he's not going to give you a ton of points, but he's going to be consistent throughout. RG3 could bounce back. Yeah. There's there's a big middle tier there that uh, I, I, I personally think taking a quarterback in the first round is a mistake in all regards. Because the drop-off you'll suffer in another position will be much greater than that of you waiting to take a quarterback. Yes. Yeah, so uh, association, I do think that that, that 85 could be a dud. Um, however, he's, he's got his linebacks. He's still got a ton of weapons. Um, is it a health concern? Where, where do you see this going wrong? Well, here's why. I, I, I think it could be that last year was his, was his big year and his big chance to, to come back and to play well. He did that. He got blown out in that Super Bowl. I'm not entirely sure how you come back from that uh, at, at, the, at the, the old age that he is. I'm worried about that neck. And I'm worried that even though Decker was not, you know, he was not the number one receiver there, I'm worried he's gone. They replaced him with Emmanuel Sanders, who I, I, I don't know how he fits into that offense uh, as well as Decker. Um You've lost Moreno, who was a, a, a strong runner. You're replacing him with Ball, who they think could work out well. I think there's too many question marks, again, for him to go in those top two rounds. Now, I'm going to poke a hole into your uh, your comeback from the Super Bowl blowout theory, like that theory is what paints. Go on. And <laughs> Ken Duncan is around the age of mm. Manning, mm. and equally prolific. Yeah, he's not playing a – he doesn't get sacked, though. Star break. And blew the Miami Heat out of the water. That's true. Forty Cass was a little, a little bit different. Gary Neal, I guess he's sort of your uh, your Eric Decker type, overachiever. Sure, he had great players around him. Sure, he leaves, gets a big contract, never hear from him again. Don't draft Eric Decker. Um, <laughs> other guys, other guys step up. He gets a ring. Now, I don't think that will happen with the Broncos, but you never know. That's why they play the game. That's why you play the game. To lose, so I think he'll go too high. I think he'll maybe you could take him into the second round, but I think he'll definitely go too high. I think a lot of idiots in drafts will take him in the first round. There's no need to do that. The uh, my last guaranteed top ranking dud is, uh, and this really hurts me to say this, but again, I love the guy. I think he'll do well, but I think he will. Don't go. tell me it's Danny Woodhead. I. It is not Danny Woodhead. <laughs> There's no way that guy. Doesn't get drafted in your first two rounds. You take it from me. Take him in your first two rounds if he's Replace there. Replace all these guys we're talking about with Danny Woodhead. For no, the guy that I'm worried about is uh, is Marshawn Lynch, Skittles. And, uh, the holdout and that has you nervous. The holdout. No, the holdout doesn't have me nervous. Here's why I'm nervous. I, I, I worry that you're coming off a, a big Super Bowl victory. They know that they can win games there in Seattle. You know, they, they know they can win games. They've got a very good, a couple of very good backup running backs, Christine Michaels in particular. I worry they're going to look to the playoffs this year and just try and protect him a little bit because his running style is so physical. And he gets, he really does get beaten around. And there's only so many seasons someone like that can go until they start to get a few more niggles. Then the niggles turn into a week or two off and the week or two off turns into a, into a long-term injury. So I think to stop that, Pete Carroll's going to say, I can win a lot of my games in the back of my defense. I'm going to start resting Marshawn a little bit. A little, it's not going to be a running back by committee, but you're going to start to see those other two running backs who they've now fostered for a couple of years come in, take a lot more reps, take away that workload, which Lynch relies on to get his points. So I feel like he drops out of that top 10 uh, for me, he drops well, at least towards the back of that top 10, maybe into the, the beginning of the second round for me because of the, the potential in lack of... The wear and tear? Yeah, the wear and tear. I mean, he's, he's 
28 years old now, but team mm-hmm. old. And running back years, that's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. He played four years in Buffalo uh, before he came to Seattle. One of those years, he only played four games. He got hurt. But he had two years, first two years in the, in the league, over 250 carries. His last three years in Seattle, 285, 315, and 301 carries. Yeah. Uh, as, we, as we sort of touched on with Peyton Manning, Father Time is undefeated. Um, will And will he even be in shape at the start of the season if he's not again? That's the thing. And I mean, and, the, the, being Andy, getting hypey. The other thing is that, <laughs> just in that hoodie. But the other thing is that both those guys, Peyton and, and Lynch, they both went deep into the playoffs. And that's extra games that you put on the legs. And uh, and in a sport as physical, that has to take its toll eventually. So so you've seen him start to drop down in these marks. Of, as I said, I've done a lot of marks this year. You've seen him start to drop. People are taking him seven, eight, nine. Haven't seen him drop well, outside I, the top ten nine, yet. Nine, that's value. Nine, I, nine ten, been, I can see you taking him. Yeah. But, uh, but I certainly have someone like Matt Forte, Eddie Lacy. I have those guys in, in front of him in terms of uh, just because of their freshness and, and the, the way in which their teams are going to use them. Quickly, uh, I have another player noted here that's not in the top 24, but is creeping around the, t- the top 30. And we've talked about a lot of people that we think are moving down. I want you to tell me your honest, unedited opinion. What will Ben Tate do this year? <sighs> I don't like him in the top 30, I can tell you that. I worry about Ben Tate. I, you know, I, I, I don't mind. I didn't mind Ben Tate on the Texans, uh, although towards the end of the season he did look a little bit like like a raw, chopped-up piece of meat. Uh, Tate Tartar, if you will. Uh, I worry about him on that Browns team just because they don't have a, a good line. And, raw with uh, potential? Raw with potential? Well, <laughs> or, or stinky because it's uncooked. It's kind of stinky and uncooked. Not 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 raw with potential, no. Like stinky, uncooked, should have been at least uh, sautéed a little a little bit on the on the gas top, but uh, frosted left out on the counter. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's something there's something just not quite right about about this offensive setup. You've got Johnny under center, Ben Tate, and then you've got Miles Austin out as one of the receivers, and uh, who knows who else on the other side, and Jordan Cameron trying to catch everything that comes his way. I mean. Where do the points come from? I think teams quickly shut that offense down, and then that's a good defensive division too. Yeah, it's and a very good defensive division. I think they're in trouble. I don't. It's not so much about Tate himself; it's about the pieces he has around him. And uh, so I, 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 I would put him maybe top forty-five, maybe top fifty. You know, definitely top sixty. But uh, but he. How do you? I mean, is he? Would you say that he is a decent flex option? No. I, I say once Pete goes bad, you shouldn't try to cook it. That's... <laughs> You're going to get sick. Well put. I agree. Okay, so that's, I mean, we've, we've, we've looked at football there. I'd, you know, the Dingo is not just a single sport entity, as you know, Adam. We've been expanding. We've been expanding this year. Been expanding a lot. You and I experimented with fantasy basketball in the last season. Had a fantastic time. I can't advocate for that enough. And, uh, I mean, one of the great things the NBA has been doing is having this 365 days a year season, which has been great. There's been stories, a lot to talk about in free agency. And also before that, a lot to talk about with the draft. So I was wondering if we could take a look at the the draft a little bit. Uh, you were, I think, overseas for the draft. Uh, the Dingo watched it avidly from the Dingo Den. Um, the East Coast Dingo Den. Uh, what sort of top fantasy picks did you see from from that draft class? And we might might just get one and then uh, and then and then see what we think. You know, um, there's a, co- a couple guys that, that jumped out at me. Um, I'm going to start by telling you one person that looked really good in summer league. That it's just too it's too early to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dougie McBucket. Out in Chicago, yeah, you know, it was a fantastic pickup straight up with Denver for that 11th pick. I know they they probably used a few first rounders for for depth and trades Kevin Love and all that stuff. Um, but we don't know what team he's going to be on, and if he ends up in Minnesota, he's going to have to be doing too much. So I'm omitting him, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he was probably my favorite summer league player 
Well, watch. You know, I also heard this week a prominent ESPN commentator. I won't name names because uh, they're on a rival network, but uh, but the, a prominent ESPN commentator said that he should have been a top five pick in the draft this week. That's how good he is as an asset, and I think that that time he had, the extra time he had in college, the fact that he was a senior, I think he's ready to produce this year, especially if he stays in Chicago. So, so we'll, we'll table him. I think we could, we could have a whole podcast on Dougie McBucket, and we will in the near future. I think, and I think we will. We should. I wanted to spell all comparisons. Denver Fredette, I think those are racist and lazy. Um, <laughs> also so untrue. He's much podcast. taller. He's much taller. He's, he's like six ten. Yeah, he's huge. Um, but my my guy that caught they caught my attention. Uh, well, a couple people caught my attention, but that I really like um, is on the shorter end. That is Albert Payton. Oh yeah, point guard out of uh, Louisiana Lafayette. He's listed at six four. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that. I think that's uh, with his hair. That's with his hair. With, with the hair, with the shoes, um, the magic has. Cut ties with Jameer Nelson and their starting point guard for almost a decade. I hear he's uh, going to your to your maps. He is. He's uh he's Lucky in the mix with Fatty Phelps. Oh wow, what a cut, what a dynamic duo you've got back there at the point. I, I think all those guys are great one dollar pickups in your auction league. True. Not two, none of them are two dollars. No two dollars there. But but Elford I I might bid twelve to fifteen on. This guy, he's gonna start. He's got a talented young core around him. Uh, he's very competitive. He comes from a similar background that Danny and Lillard had met. They weren't recruited. They went to small schools. Um, the worry with Lillard was that he, yeah, he lit up a bunch of small teams, but can he do it on a larger level? Uh, Elford Payton was nearing triple doubles in the summer league. He's going to allow Victor Oladipo to move over to his natural position at the two. Um, yeah. He's going to be a great off-the-ball cutter that he's going to be able to dump the ball into um, while Oladipo's going to be handling all the whoever the better guard is on defense, those duties. I really like Elford Payton. Um, runners up, an obvious one, Jabari Parker. He's going to have to do everything for that Bucks team. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no talent there. He's going to demand from day one. If he reports in shape, he's got the size, but a surprisingly good rebounding numbers. And then lastly, James Young, wow. Boston Celtics. Wow. The guy on my roster last year, uh, on and off a few times, by the name of Jody Meeks. Yes. He was lighting up three point land for the Lakers, just got a overpaid by the Pistons. Yep. I could see him being the sixth man in Boston, scoring early, and Avery Bradley's got a lucrative contract and has a lot of injury issues. Um, so who knows, he could supplant him there. I like that. Didn't didn't Alfred Payton look like he was having fun in that summer league? No, he was just just, just clowning. Uh, uh made it look like it was the end one mixtape for. Oh, just, just finding little cots everywhere. He's getting rebounds, getting tip ins. He was killing it. It'll, it'll it's going to be interesting to see how he how he develops. Um, but I, I I like what I'm seeing there. Okay. Two other guys, two other guys to watch. Um, probably not not going to be on your roster on draft day, but could be later in the year. Clay mm-hmm. Anthony Early, second round pick out of Wichita State for the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, reminds me of a more efficient J.R. Smith, who they're trying to ship out the door over there. Also lit up the Kentucky Wildcats in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, on paper, the most talented team. And then Kyle Anderson, drafted at the end of the first round by the Spurs. This guy is 6'9", but classically trained as a point guard. The crew is a point guard out of college. Great ball handling skills, but can play four positions on the floor. It'll be interesting to see what, uh, what Pop cooks up for him. I like that. I like those picks. I think they could all be positive performers. As you say, I think a lot of them, you maybe you leave them on the waiver wire and pick them up around uh, around week six, week seven, as a couple of injuries start to take toll and these guys mature a little bit and get used to the systems. Keep keep your wandering lazy eye on these guys. The wandering, yeah, just that one. Okay, so that's I mean I love all those picks. I got a couple myself, and and I'm going to start with it with a not a disclaimer, but just an overarching comment. Obviously, Dante Exum is someone very close to my heart. I can't put him as my number one studs of tomorrow out of this class. I just think he's a little bit young and a little bit fresh on a jazz team, which doesn't quite know what it's doing yet. And obviously, I think in direct competition with Trey Burke. If they resolve the Trey Burke issue, I think he could be a great fantasy performer next year. But I worry about them not resolving that issue 
and him and Trey sort of splitting time, splitting stats. And so I think he could be good if they get rid of Trey Burke, but tough if he's trying to do trying to play that role of, of not really knowing if he's a shooting guard or a point guard. So with I, the, I think now would be a great time for you to plug uh, your your book that's coming out in the somewhat near future on Dingo Press, our first uh, our first long form book. Thank you. Yeah, you're obviously referring to Dante's Inferno, uh, a story of Dante Exum's rise to power, and uh, also a profile of all the different Australians who have played such a huge role in American sports history. You people like your Luke Longleys. Uh, uh, baseball pitchers in there. The very first Australian was this guy back in 1957, a punter for the uh, Dallas Cowboys who was later murdered in his home in Dallas. All sorts of interesting stories uh, coming out in Dante's Inferno. You'll be able to pick that up off the Dingo Press. It'll be an ebook, uh, print on demand. I think for I think it's being priced at 14.99. Uh, but just keep keep checking on fantasydingo.com for that one. Uh, the but Dante aside, my number one pick I think of of a fantasy uh, performer for studs of tomorrow is he went to the Lakers. He went late in the in the uh, later than he expected to in the lottery. It's Julius Randle, and uh, and I think the reason is he's built already to perform. He's built like someone who can who can get a lot of rebounds. He he's going to pad stats on a Lakers team which is otherwise. Completely bereft of talent. I'm not sure who their starting five is right now. Did they sign Boozer this week? They did. They got Boozer off uh, amnesty waivers. Mm-hmm. So they it's a bidding process for teams under the cap. Mm-hmm. I believe the Lakers got him for around $2.3 million. What that means is that Boozer's 16 or $17 million, $18 million salary, whatever it is, the Lakers will pay $2.3 million of it, and the Bulls will pay the rest of that salary. Wow. Um, for the Lakers in exchange for him not counting against their cap. Okay. So, well, that makes – I mean, that's not a bad deal. I, I don't hate Boozer. I think he can be productive. I don't hate Boozer. I hope that they – I hope that they don't use Boozer as a crutch to bring Julius around slowly. Does Julius – does he remind you of a young Zebo? A little bit. Certainly in his uh, his physicality, he reminds me of a little bit of a young Zebo. I don't think they do that because I think they're kind of tanking a little bit to uh, to try and get another good pick this year. So who's their starting five then? They've got Jeremy Lin, Kobe, Julius, maybe Boozer off the bench. Um, Jordan Hill at the five? Jordan Hill at the five. Who have they got at small forward? Oh, Swaggy. Swaggy P. Pink City. Wow. that's 76ers, Lakers, race to the bottom. That's a five for you. And we don't even know if Kobe's going to play much. Don't don't put either of those teams on your league pass. But remember, someone's got to score points on a bad team. That is Sports true. Fantasy basketball lesson where rosters are deep. Someone's got to score the points. Get that guy. That's what we learned this year. And I, I, again, I think that's a reason why Julius could really flourish as a fantasy player on that Lakers team, if not as a as a real time player. The other guys I've got just quickly on my top picks from that draft class, Noah Vonley I like. I think he's going to be a lot more productive than Tyler Zeller was. And I like that uh, they're the Hornets now, aren't they? I like that Hornets team a lot with Lance Stevenson on there. Lance Stevenson, Kimball Walker, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Big Al Jefferson, which uh, Boogie Cousins recently uh, in a podcast for Feeding Network said that the toughest person for him to play against Big Al. I heard that. Amazing. And he was he was sort of adamant about it. He uh he said it wasn't Zebo, it wasn't uh any of the Gasols, it was it was Big Al. It wasn't Dwight, it was Big Al. Yeah. So I and I think Von Le could fit. He's tall, uh he's a lot better than Tyler Zeller. Uh I, I think if they start him he could be a really productive, getting a lot of rebounds, maybe getting getting you a few double doubles, which is so important in fantasy basketball. And then a couple of other guys I've got to look at here. I had Clee Anthony early, like you. I think on that Knicks team, he gets a lot of playing time. Maybe check him out around round five, week five or week six. And uh, and Rodney Hood, the other guy who went to Utah apart from Dante, went late in the rounds, but he was a senior. And I think he's got he's got a, a more complete game than Dante, and he can get a starting role in that, or at least a sixth man role in that Jazz team. 
start producing from day one. So I would keep my eye on him as well. I like Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood knows knows how to win. He's from Mississippi. Went to school locally at Mississippi State. That program is an absolute mess. Um, was able to step away from from his his friends, his crew, his people, and transfer to Duke to learn from Mike Krzyzewski and learn how to win. I think he's going to make an instant impact on that Jazz team. Well, we will we will see it, and we'll keep you guys up to date with uh, with basketball as it ticks along. Never a dull moment in the NBA. Now, Adam, to wrap this up today, uh, we're going to do a lightning round, and uh, and this will be this is where I just want to get your responses off the top of your head, what you're thinking. Uh, don't think about this too much. Take a Texas Tech approach to this one. Uh, but as always, we we always pick a different topic with the lightning round. This is our summer special. So I'm going to list, give you 10 names of people. And they're all from the, they're all celebrities you'll know and love from the National Football League. And I want you to tell me, where is this guy summering? And what's he taking with him? Oh, wow. This is a two-prong, two-prong answer. Two-prong answer. So where, where is this guy going to summer? Where is he right now? He's probably in training camp right now, a lot of these guys, but... If he's not in training camp, before he went to training camp, where did he summer? And what does he take with him on the trip? Is okay. It? Okay, so uh, I'm going to start you off with an easy one. Where is Rob Gronkowski summering, and what's he taking with him? Rob Gronkowski is in a rooftop pool in Las Vegas with vodka and slushies. It's excellent. I would have had the same location but he would have just taken Johnny Manziel with him. Okay, where is Danny Woodhead summering, and what's he taking with him? Danny Woodhead is summering back in New England, and he is taking with him his pride. <laughs> where is Big Ben Roethlisberger summering, and what's he taking with him? Big Ben Roethlisberger is thankfully not summering in a bathroom in Los Angeles after the SBs where things happened a few years ago. Instead, he is at home with his wife and kids, and he has taken with him Cinnamon Toast Crunch. He's very domesticated. Where is Blake Bortles summering, and what's he taking with him? Blake Bortles is summering in Panama City Beach with his really, really hot girlfriend, Google Her. I was wondering if he was taking the playbook with him. He seems like a serious no, guy. No, no, he's just taking her. She is, she is his playbook. <laughs> Lucky Blake. Okay, where's Andy Reid? Okay, hold on. He's, he's, not, he's not starting this year. They said that. He'll be starting by week five. He's a sneaky 15th round pickup. You heard it here first. Next next, next one, where is Andy Reid summering and what's he taking with him? <laughs> Andy Reid is summering exclusively at Oklahoma Joe's Barbecue, and he is taking with him everything but napkins. <laughs> Where is Connor Shaw summering, and what's he taking with him? Connor Shaw is summering in Toronto, scouting out a home court he signed by the Toronto Argonauts, and he is taking with him lots of American money to exchange. Where is uh, Where is Cooper Manning summering, and what's he taking with him? What, who? Cooper Manning. Who? The third Manning. The, is that the lawyer Manning? The lawyer Manning. Oh, my. Uh, Cooper, well, I think Cooper's done pretty well for himself. Cooper's down in the Dominican, and he has taken with him marijuana. Where is Darren McFadden summering, and what's he taking with him? He's not drug tested. Darren McFadden is summering back in Arkansas, trying to figure out where he's going to live after he gets cut. He is taking with him. What, what would Darren, what would Darren take? He's, um, uh, you know, you don't have much space. There's not much going on. Um, I, I guess he's taking with him. He might be. Oh, man, I, you just dumb me. I don't. I don't think. I think he takes nothing with him. I think he might be taking one of those big roadmaps Darren, to America. Darren, Darren leaves nothing on the field. I don't think he's going to leave anything or take anything to vacation either. He's a man of small possessions. That's a good point. And here's your final one. And this is someone very close to your heart. And I know, I know that you'll be deep on the inside, and you can probably just tell us what this guy is actually doing right now at this very moment and what he's got. But please tell us, where is Blaine Gabbett summering and what's he taking with him? 
I can tell you is Blaine Gabbert was summering in Kansas City, Missouri for Chase Daniels' wedding, and he brought with him lots of Bud Light based on my business. Wow. There you go. I knew you'd have the insight on uh, on Blaine. Uh, that's been the Dingo Unchained for today, coast to coast. Uh, good thank- to be back. It's good to be back. It's a new year. Everyone's got hope, promise. No one's dreams have been crushed yet. No one's screwed up their draft yet. No one's scrambling to make trades to make up for the fact they screwed up their draft yet. This is my this is my favorite time. It's my favorite time of the fantasy season. It's those four weeks where anything is possible until draft day comes along, and then and then almost nothing is possible. Uh, As always, you can hit us up on the on the on the Twitter at fantasy dingo. Check out fantasydingo dot com, and uh, and uh, we'll take you out with. uh, with the classic Dingo music. Adam, thank you so much for your time today, and we'll check in again next week. Sounds good. FancyDingo.com. Check out the new Matt said.